1: welcome to the roadwire fantasy baseball podcast brought to you by fan tracks i'm your host james anderson and i got another nfbc main event overall winner with me this time 2016's main event overall winner rob silver uh rob how you doing
2: i'm good uh good to be chatting baseball again james it's been too long
1: absolutely um and of course you you've been chatting baseball uh with Rob DiPietro and Jeff Zimmerman on the launch angle pod. Uh, good stuff as always over there. Um, and I think you like recently started actually like doing some prep. So um.
2: I did. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you an honest uh, story, James, your outline that you sent to me. The first question is what drafts are you scheduled uh, to do uh, this year? And I was going through because for your your pod, unlike the pod that, that I'm on, uh, I try to be prepared and actually read the outline beforehand. Um, uh, and I'm like, wow, I probably should figure out what drafts I'm doing. So I have an actual answer for James. So I just signed up for a bunch of drafts today in Vegas and got things, uh, got things going. So it's, uh, it's good. We're getting close.
1: Awesome. So what, so what are you going to do?
2: Uh, I signed up for the whole like champions league, um uh, like, oh, cool. uh, let's try not to get relegated to whatever the opposite, uh, <laughs> thing is, uh, today and and for so, I haven't done a, a twelve-team uh, draft. I think in fifteen years, uh, as some people pointed out on uh, on a Discord uh, today. Uh, so it should be interesting. It's going to be a good time.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, doing a twelve-teamer after doing a bunch of fifteen-teamers is uh, it's quite an experience. So uh, I,
2: I have I have a prediction. I'm going to walk out of that draft thinking my team is awesome, like just a stacked, stacked yeah. team.
1: I got two like, awesome just, closers. My here.
2: starting pitchers are good, and my hitting's good. I nailed that draft. Yeah, that's I my think, that's my sense.
1: I think you I think you will nail uh, your, your <laughs> championship. Um, okay, so yeah, so you did the Champions League. So you're yeah. All set for yeah. Uh, yeah, I I got into
2: an auction uh, in Vegas. So the Friday morning auction. Hopefully that fills. The, it looks like the auctions are a little bit slow to fill, but my guess is. As we get spring training going, a lot of those are like it, the look at what it looks like for those of us doing the NFBC and going to Vegas looks like the turnout's huge. People just are like me and couldn't be bothered to actually sign up for a lot of things yet. So my guess is Greg is going to start poking people and things are going to fill out pretty nicely because there's it looks like there's a big crowd of people going to Vegas this year, which is great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh i'll only be there for the first two days but uh looking forward to what what
2: yeah oh yeah didn't didn't i tell you that no you're only there for two days
1: yeah getting in on wednesday and leaving on friday so i I won't make it to the epic bash friday night i won't be there for the uh saturday main events um because i have to go to one of my best friends is getting married in New Orleans on that Saturday, so I'm going uh, go to Vegas for two days.
2: What a selfish, what a selfish thing to do to get married on main event Saturday uh, so, in New Orleans. He,
1: you know, he doesn't he doesn't play like NFPC or anything like that, but he was legitimately trying to get his fiance <laughs> to not do it that weekend so that I didn't have to miss
2: That's that. Awesome. But, um, I'm just joking. Was... <laughs> as as somebody who had to miss first pitch in Arizona this year because of my nephew's bar mitzvah. Uh, i only have one sister and she only has one son so it was literally like the statistical odds that his bar mitzvah was going to be on a first pitch arizona weekend were minuscule he literally could have been born any other weekend any other week and it wouldn't have uh, overlapped but at the same time i couldn't not show up for my like one nephew's bar mitzvah so i had to miss first pitch arizona so I totally get how sometimes life, as annoying as it can be, gets in the way of our silly little hobby.
1: Well, speaking of our silly little hobby, uh, I've got some uh, okay questions for you here. We've we've got one uh, to start things off. Where um...
2: We're not going to make it through four hours, James, unless you have some good questions. So I hope you have some good questions to keep us going.
1: Well, my definition of good questions here would be kind of keeping this to like about a tight, like 70 minutes or so. I so. think
2: that's, I think that's right.
1: Um,
0: okay. What kind, so, a,
2: what kind of lunatics would go four <laughs> hours? I was a joke. Nobody, <laughs> nobody would do that. Certainly nobody would listen to that.
1: <laughs> Hundreds of people have listened to it apparently. I,
2: I yeah, yeah, know. yeah. yeah. I, I know these Russian bots that DiPietro <laughs> pays to listen to podcasts to pump up the numbers.
1: So, uh... There are five hitters, Rob. Yes. uh, Going in the first two rounds of Mm -hmm. 15 team draft champions um, that none of the Bat, the Bat X, Steamer, or ATC project to have a batting average of 270 or or better. Uh, I know that's kind of a clumsy clumsy intro but um, yeah. and, you know ATC no, no. takes some of those projections and
2: yeah, you're, you're really just saying the same thing four times yes. when you get yes. when you get to ATC but, yes. but sorry sorry i I understood the question
1: yeah so five hitters going in the first two rounds uh, that the projection systems all think will hit below 270 basically mm-hmm. uh, Matt Matt Olson Ellie de la Cruz Francisco lindor Pete Alonso, Marcus Semien, all five of those guys um, consistently going in the first two rounds and so my question to you, uh, is which of the five hitters that the projection systems think will hit below 270 are you willing to take in the second round of a high stakes league? So
2: it's a great question. Um, I think one of the things I'm really trying to think about this year is protecting those ratios. There've been some really good articles, different sites and batting average, and then whipping the ERA on the pitching side. And there's no doubt Um Taking a guy who does not project to hit 270 in the second round, meaning likely your second best hitter, uh, if you went like a Strider um, or a Burns or Cole in the first round, and maybe your best hitter, um, starts putting you in a position where you need to start chasing batting average a little bit. If uh, if that's a concern for you, so the easy answer is, if I had an early pick, I would take Matt Olson happily there, but he's never getting there. So Matt Olson is the answer. Like I'm, I think Olsen is a legit second round pick, but he's going certainly ADP wise. And you're, you've been doing a lot of the 400 DCs. So I'd be curious what you're actually seeing because those mimic closer high stakes leagues is he's kind of 16, 17, 18. So somebody picking at the back half of the draft is doubling up on Olsen on the way back. And that's not something I do. There's always going to be a hitter. I like more than Olsen or a pitcher uh, there. I think, um, are you matt olsen guy uh
1: well i was just going to tell you i pulled up the 400 dc that i'm currently in and uh matt olsen went at pick 21 there uh okay. team, team 10 paired him up with trey turner uh,
2: yeah which which is which is a nice combo uh so I, I i see the i certainly see the the construct and the logic uh there if he started getting to like twenty six, twenty seven, which again he's just not doing in draft. So I'm I'm saying a hypothetical maybe in the main when starting pitching gets pushed up, maybe he starts falling uh a little bit. There I'd be uh tempted uh to pull the trigger. That's not a helpful answer to anybody because I'm basically saying if you if you could do what you can't do, you should do that. Um of the other guys
1: Well, just just quickly on, on Olsen. So like I yeah, I, I um I just I don't like uh him as like a as a building block um for like you know, the batting average part, and then, uh, this, so you're not only kind of chasing batting average, but you might have to be chasing speed depending on who you took
2: ahead of him. To be clear, I don't love Matt Olson as a second round pick. The the question is who would I take? Uh, if he goes late enough, he becomes enough of a value. I agree entirely. I mean, the reason why the only real guy here who's an answer to me is Lindor, because at least Lindor, uh, deals with stolen bases so you, you're behind a little bit on batting average but everything else part of the challenge with olsen also is so much of his value is runs and rbis now runs and rbis are categories for us so we care about runs and rbis i don't love paying for elite runs and rbis guys for a bunch of reasons i feel if i'm doing well i should be able to stream in to catch up and runs and rbis so they're worth what they're worth the spreadsheet is the spreadsheet. I'm not discounting that. Um, but um, yeah, so I don't love Olson, but if, but if he started going 27 to 30, he's a nice value. Lindor is the one that I would consider at ADP. Um, I, I could see myself pulling the trigger there. Uh, Ellie is a pretty easy no for me uh, in the second uh, round. Pete Alonso's tough, man. Like some some really sharp players I know are all in on uh Pete Alonso uh this year. Are you um, counting
1: guilds there?
2: Yeah, I mean basically if you're in a draft with him, you're not gonna get Pete Alonso. <laughs> uh um what do you think about Pete? Is it the same basically the same issue as, as Olson?
1: Yeah, you know it's it's just he's uh he's an obvious kind of you know, he's going to have a better season than he had last year. Um, But it's, it's, you know, the batting average with Alonzo with Olson with, with all these guys, really that's, that's a problem for me. Um, And then obviously the lack of speed with Olson and Alonzo. But like, at least with Olson, you're in this insane run scoring lineup. Um, And he doesn't have, I think, quite as low of a batting average floor maybe as Alonzo. Um, but honestly, the guy that prompted me to ask this question was Lindor because I, you know, so many, like, and you, you just answered it. Like Lindor is the the best answer to this question, essentially. And, um, I'm just, I'm surprised that he's just so locked into the middle of the second round, given that he's basically like, if you want to do really well in your league, you want to have a batting average that's a team batting average that's higher than what Francisco Lindor is projected to hit and yep. like so i would take like i would take uh, michael harris over lindor straight up this year um, so you're
2: you're going to think you're think you're going to think i'm lying here james the line i have written down on my sheet here cuz again i did prep cuz i have too much respect for your spreadsheet to, or for your podcast to just uh, half-ass is. um is i think i'd rather michael harris than lindor or any of these other guys i'd certainly rather albies who again was not part of your question so I'm, I'm not answering the actual question that you asked but albies is an easy answer for me over these guys um harris i think i'd rather over pretty much any of like me him and olsen are tough because Olson really is an, an elite hitter in in some ways but I, i'd rather harris over lindor straight up Positions aside, uh, there is DiPietro makes the argument that he doesn't like a lot of the, the late shortstops, so he'd rather have shortstop eligibility. I get using that as a bit of a tiebreaker if you have them as a tie. And I think the reality is once you hit mains, a bunch of those starting pitchers are getting pushed up. And if you had an early uh, starting pitch or an early to middle pick, um, you're going to start playing the game of what starting pitchers are getting back to me. And do I like them enough to to take any of these hitters, or do I need a starting pitcher uh, in the second round?
1: Yeah, and so <clears throat> this this 400 that I'm in that I referenced where Matt Olson went 21st, uh, just for the sake of, uh, I might as well tell people, Lindor went 24th, Alonzo went 25th, Elliot de la Cruz went 27th, and then Marcus Semien made it all the way to 36.
2: Which I, th- which I think you're going to see a lot more of in um, in Vegas as we get closer now. As a, a few of the starting pitchers get injured in spring training, as happens every single year, mm-hmm. uh, I think you're going to see at least a couple of these bats make it back to the turn, if not into the third round.
1: Yeah, I was actually having this discussion with uh, someone offline uh, last night, just like where – because obviously the starting pitching gets, gets pushed up. Um, and I'm curious if Michael Harris – If he just sort of stays at the two, three turn, um, like, would the main event crowd be higher on Harris, like, by five picks than the DC crowd? Like, I I don't know. I could
2: could see um, lots of people. So if you assume, take Strider out of it, anybody who had any of those first five, six, seven picks, um, if you start doing the I have wit and I add Harris, Boy, that's a nice combination. I have J like any of those guys, it doesn't matter which one. And you add Michael Harris uh, to it, like it it becomes a pretty sexy combo as long as, and I'm sure this is the debate folks who might consider uh, jumping him will have, as long as you can convince yourself, I like one of the starting pitchers in the third round or um, for fifth round. Like, so it it depends. Everybody who's going to be there is sharp enough to, have a plan for how they're going to attack starting pitching so i i absolutely think if you're willing to push starting pitch your first starting pitcher a little bit whether it's the third or fourth round i could easily see um harris jumping into that second round in a lot of drafts whether it's adp wise don't know if if it's enough for that
1: yeah i'm interested in like i wonder if some uh strider teams might take him as the hitter in the second round
2: not um, not cr- not crazy like him or albies with striders uh is a pretty good way to get going
1: right yeah because you it just and what i love so much about michael harris um is just he's such an awesome piece to build around because he gives you such a nice outlay in all five categories um and i i i agree that shortstop follows up like i know you're referencing D. yeah um, but I agree. Shortstop does fall off pretty steeply at a certain point, but it's not um, it's not something I'm thinking about with like my second round pick necessarily.
2: I totally agree. I I think I I don't even I'm not even I don't want to put words in Rob's uh, mouth. I think that's a, a consideration in round nine. You start saying I don't want to fill up my corner infield because I like first two three hitters. Take the hitters you want. That you value the most that create the positional or sorry the category uh flexibility you want i don't know that you should be saying i'm going to pass on this hitter for a hitter i like less in the second round uh because i'm not sure about my 20th round pick like i think that's a bit goofy
1: okay so another guy um who is going uh in the second round of of these 400 dcs uh i think he went Uh, 26th in this one I'm in. Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, you obviously follow the Toronto Blue Jays, for anyone who didn't know, uh, living in Canada. Um, Now, Rob, when I was ranking Vlad Guerrero as a prospect, um, I was sort of envisioning this stage of his career, you know, mid-20s, him being like a 315 hitter who would hit 35 to 40 homers every year. And uh, he could hit 315 this year with 35 to 40 homers, but that's certainly not something anyone's projecting. Uh, There is a projection system that has him for – actually, two projection systems have him for 35-plus homers. Um, But it's just – it's a little surprising to me that we're at this stage of Vlad's career, and I'm not quite sure what to expect from him. I I sort of thought it would be kind of a obvious, like, this is what you're getting from Vlad Guerrero but he's been and in the, obviously the, the year where uh, they were playing in Buffalo is complicated matters, but um, I've seen you kind of commenting on the projection systems with Vlad. Uh, so I guess, you know, are you, what, what are you expecting from him this year? Other than like, I know he's going to be durable. Like that's one of his best traits, but like, what are you expecting from him in terms of production?
2: Yeah. I mean, everybody <coughs> always talks about uh, the 2021 season. Because uh, it wasn't just Buffalo. He was playing in Dunedin, and he killed the ball. And defenders of LAD say, yeah, but he was killing the ball. And cynics say, but he was playing in minor league parks. So we know he's a really good minor league uh, uh, player. Not so sure uh, about major league player. So forget 2021. Put Just put that aside, because... I. It's too complicated, and we—he's not going back to Dunedin uh, this year. God, I hope he does. He's not going back to Dunedin. (laughs) Something's gone weird if he's going back to Dunedin. Let's talk about 2022. Do you think he can hit 274 uh, this year? Like the projections, say yes, and I think my gut at least say yeah. Like there's upside there, but 274 is not certainly not crazy uh, for Vlad. Uh, Can he hit 32 home runs again? Like. Vlad Guerrero should be able to roll out of bed, and if he stays healthy all year, hit 32 home runs. Um, But it's hard hitting home runs if he hit ground balls. Uh, um, But can he hit 32 home runs? Everybody would say, obviously, Vlad Guerrero is capable of hitting 32 uh, home runs, and the projections think he can hit 32 home runs. Can he hit 187 runs plus RBIs and 700 plate appearances? Well, projecting anybody, including Marcus Simeon, for 700 plate appearances is is stupid. Um, But even if you knock it down, as you say, he is durable um, for a big guy. Um, He should be able to get 90 runs and 90 RBIs plus or minus in however much he plays if he stays healthy. Even if they rest him uh, a little bit, um, he should be able to get there. It's certainly not a crazy. benchmark for him to hit and the eight stolen bases from 2022 is is complicated like who knows he could steal four he could steal 10 he's not going to be a zero like he's for a big guy people joke about uh vlad um he will run a little bit um you put that all together and in 2022 he was player 22 on the player raider right like he was easily a second round player How he was drafted because he was the best play coming off the season, where he was the best player uh, overall in 2021 and as a first round player. So it was a disappointment. But that's nothing I've said is crazy. And there's obviously upside uh, from there Um, because every single stat that I've said, he could hit 330. Like, and you, you, uh, I don't mean like if the baseball and the babic God smiled down on him, he's a legit guy who, if he hit, 330 he'd be like yeah no we thought he was going to be miguel cabrera and miguel cabrera used to hit 330 he hits the ball hard enough he makes enough contact so that's not crazy he could hit 40 home runs and nobody would say that's where did that come from it's like well of course Vlad hit 40 home runs he just he he was a little bit better and he hit 40 home runs so i think his adp is both a relatively safe floor with a fair bit of upside whether you should draft him or not, like, comes down to a whole bunch of things in terms of roster construction and, and, and so on. But he is different from the Matt Olson or the Pete Alonso from a batting average perspective. Like, he's a, it's not that Pete Alonso or, or Olson can't hit 270, 280. Of course, they could hit it. It's that Vlad really should hit um, there. And I think he, he we, a year from now, we may look back and saying, well, of course, Vlad is a 330 home run guy.
0: terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the
2: Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
1: Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week.
0: We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me. A Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I, I
1: agree with pretty much everything you said, um, but I I'm curious. Do you like? Do you know if the projection systems, um, like, like how usable are? players who played on the 2021 blue jays projections relative to just a random player who also played in the 2021 season like is that is that is there any noise in there still or oh yeah no there's still there's still definitely some noise
2: uh that's kind of chased through like it should be dropping off now because the good projection systems like it shouldn't be weighed that much but there's it's still part of it and it's the reason why it's not crazy to look at the Vlad projections the Beau Bichette projections, uh, who I think we may talk about um, and be a bit cynical about them.
1: And uh, I'm glad you brought up Vlad's 2022 season. Cause that's actually the line. Like when I'm like looking at his past lines, that is the one that looks like, like I could see him repeating that season. And that yeah. would be sort of the least surprising season for him to repeat. If he repeats what he did last year, That would surprise me um and that would be kind of a bummer uh but uh you know even if he just does like the great thing is he is pretty durable so even if he just repeats 2023 you can still win your league no problem uh taking him in the second round
2: yeah it's 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 a nice floor pick and if the if you're somebody who's going into a draft and saying i don't want to lose my draft in the first second third round there's something to be said about just Uh, get in Vlad and I know people say, but I need speed. I want speed. I've found like I need power too. I'm short power and I don't want to have to use the, as many of the, he's got good power, but he's going to hit two ten guys who are available later available as free agents. There's something very nice about having an Aaron judge or having a Vlad or having one of these guys who give you the batting average, uh, floor with the power uh too now it's a reasonable question but like rob aaron judge i feel pretty confident if he's healthy he's gonna hit 35 40 home runs i'm not as confident that vlad is gonna hit 35 40 home runs even if he's healthy and that's reasonable like he's not needs to get his act together and i he's in good shape right now that means sweet nothing to me i could care less that he's in good shape he's been in good shape the last three years when he's been coming to camp he's been working out the last three years uh is coming to camp it that's all noise it's just like is the swing gonna be there consistently and it wasn't there last
1: year okay so i want to ask about boba shet um next uh so just simple question how many stolen bases does boba shet get this year?
2: yeah his his Sprint speed is going is a steeper decline than like Kitzbuehl in Austria. Uh, it's bad. Like his sprint speed went from 83rd percentile, 74th percentile, 70th percentile, 53rd percentile, 42nd uh, percentile. And obviously, his stolen bases um, track that pretty care, uh, closely. Um, could he just get faster again? maybe because he's not a big guy like he's what what six six foot 180 190 maybe maybe he's put on a bit more as he's aged a little bit he's 25 like he shouldn't be a slow guy but we've we've seen this before so I I think you should draft um Bo with the assumption you're not getting stolen bases uh from him um your bot your your if you draft Bo it's He's potentially a 330 shortstop. So he easily could be Corey Seeger last season, um, as like the upside. And with it like a, a 10 to 15% chance that he decides to run again and steal 15 to 20 stolen bases in a way that Seager has never done that before. We know Bo could do that and has done it, but I would not draft him and count on getting more than five, seven stolen bases with Bo. I think that the most likely uh stat to shoot up his batting average second is his power and the stolen bases is way down there that's just my sense what's what's your yeah i mean i think he,
1: he has a weird um kind of body for a typical like mid 20s shortstop to me it's kind of like a thicker waist um he just he looks like the type of guy where his athleticism would have peaked around like 21 22 to me um some guys that like peaks at different times but um like I I'm with you i I am not factoring in um stolen bases uh really with him like, I mean he's he'll steal more than zero bases but um yeah i I agree with you uh, uh
2: the only thing I'd say and i I am not somebody who believes baseball players can just start trying or not trying turning it on and turning it off but there's a big difference between Beau Bichette, free agent who's a shortstop Versus Bo free agent, who you need to play at third or second or potentially left field by like year three of the contract. And if you accept what you just said and accept that the sprint speed is tracking a whole bunch of things that go into it in terms of athleticism, training, uh, aging, and so on. There is as big an incentive for him to like reverse or at least flatten that aging curve for the next two years and say, "I am a shortstop." I'm not sure he can do that because his defense is um, what's the word I'm thinking for that I can use on this podcast bad.
1: Uh, We're not talking about Brandon Crawford.
2: No, and but like there's, I can play three, four years more of shortstop, and I'm athletic versus. Uh, we're smart organization. We're, we're the Dodgers, or we're like a smart organization with lots of money, which all of them are in, in their own way. And we just don't think you have the the athleticism. So we're knocking off seven million dollars a year uh, from your contract because a, a, a Bobuchet second baseman just is not the same guy. So there is a big incentive for him to get this back. I would not in any draft or in any auction pay a penny for that. That's just a reality, though.
1: Yeah, I I won't draft uh, Bobachet, I don't think this year.
2: Uh, um, it would not, but but it would not surprise me one bit if Bobuchet does hit 330 and finishes as like a first round player. Like that would not shock me at all. But I tend to agree.
1: So I want to ask you about one more uh, player who was on the 2021 Jays. Yes. Um, so I was really <clears throat> whenever a player signs with the Dodgers that I was not drafting. I get really pissed because then obviously the people that were drafting him get the reward of, of him ending up with the Dodgers and Teoscar Hernandez lands with the Dodgers and um, his projections are just really, really loud, Uh, you know, like really, really good stuff. Like this is the type of outfielder we all want. Um, And they're basically projecting Teoscar Hernandez to have the second best season of his career after that 2021 season we've referenced. Um, and I'm just kind of curious as someone who watched a lot of Teoscar and and knows about the Dodgers and, and what they're all about and everything is Teoscar Hernandez about to have his second best fantasy season today.
2: If you, if you don't include 2020, cause it was also pretty darn good in 2020 oh, uh, was right. top, top yeah. 20, 25, but I assumed yeah. uh, that you're not counting that. Um, the only thing that could stop him besides, it, well, I shouldn't say that. There's two things that could stop him. So when I talked about uh, Oscar, um on launch angle before he signed with the Dodger, Dodgers, I said, look, there are signs of aging, right? Like there, there are signs of the things that happen to guys who already had some swing and miss problems um, as they hit their 30s. And I said, as long as he leaves Seattle, I think he's a steal at where he was going at the time. My memory, and you were already doing, you were already on your like 14th draft, so you can correct me. He was probably like the 170s, 180s. Like he was going round 12, 13, 14 at the time. Is that is that right ish? Before he um, signed with the Dodgers. Anyways, doesn't matter. Yeah. He was going, yeah, yeah was, I think he so. was going later. Yeah. Uh, um, And I said, like, What's he was in a terrible environment in Seattle, like a, just a terrible situation. There's nowhere else he could basically go that it's going to be not an, an upgrade. And yeah, now he's on the Dodgers. So he's 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 a guy who's going to go up draft boards, I think, as people just kind of chip 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 away at that. Um, he's a bad outfielder and obviously my my understanding is again i'm just starting my prep that the dodgers have signed a, a decent hitter who's going to clog their dh spot so he really has to uh play the outfield uh if he wants to play and the dodgers love mixing and matching guys and playing matchups and like using everybody and they didn't really have the bench. They didn't have the depth that they have had for the last like decade. Last year, so they couldn't fully do it. I think by opening day they will have like thirteen guys for for eight spots kind of thing. Uh, if you take catcher out of it, um, but I think Teoscar is too good a hitter for them to fully play that game. I think there'll be some days where they're up four two going into the eighth, and they swap him out for a defensive replacement so maybe over the course of 162 games he loses 10 15 plate appearances because of that maybe if there's a, a starting pitcher with a you know heavy fall, uh, fly ball tendency on a Sunday they decide to put a defense a more defensive outfielder in there so instead of like 150 games he gets 140 games i could buy all of that but at the end of the day yeah i think he's really good it's a very open question on him much like Bo, whether he runs so in terms of like he's a great buy or a good buy um my gut again is five stolen bases is probably where you're getting from tay oscar but he could steal 15 and then he's like a really 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 elite guy potentially
1: yeah i mean the the declining plate skills and the bad defense were reasons that i didn't expect him to end up in this good of a situation Um uh, but you know, they, it's a lefty heavy lineup and it does. I like the idea of having this sort of free swinger with crazy power mixed in with all these extremely patient guys, because it just, I can imagine being that pitcher and being like, all right, I just got through Will Smith and Max Muncie, And like, this is a completely different thing with, with Teoscar. Um, so yeah, I, I have not been able to draft him yet. Um, he went in the ninth round of this uh, DCMN right now, uh, just after Lane Thomas, just ahead of George Springer and Jordan Walker. So
2: uh, how? So let's play one of those uh, name games. Of those four outfielders, who would you assume all four are on uh, on the board and take category needs out of it? You're going to take one of these four guys. Who do you like the most out of those
1: four? uh it's between hernandez and springer to me and i think i go springer by just a tiny bit um but that's a it's good that you're here because uh you might i i i
2: i I would have uh springer third of those i would Would want to go lane thomas either lane or uh tay oscar um i worry i worry about springer's health you know so spring my view on springer uh will change if Justin Turner shows up at Jay's spring tra- training in, in, uh, in whatever it is, two weeks, and it's and and it's pronounced, I'm gonna. My goal is to play 140 games at third base this year, and the Jays management says our goal is for <laughs> Justin Turner to play 140 games at third base this year, and then I say, oh, that's really good because that means Springer can DH for 30 games uh, this year. I were so much of Springer's value from a fantasy perspective is as an accumulator at a top of a lineup and geez, but the, for his body to hold up another year, having to play the outfield almost every day, if Justin Turner is really a full-time DH is asking a lot of Springer and his value, just, I like Springer. It's not that I wouldn't draft Springer. So don't take this as a, I he's dead to me at all. I also really like Teoscar. I also really like uh, Lane Thomas. Um, but I, if he has to play the outfield, um, I just have to knock down his projected playing time by 20% and you knock his playing time by 20% down, his value goes down really quickly. Yeah. That's, uh, can we, can we, can we talk about Alejandro Kirk really quickly as the last Blue Jay before we move on from the, from that?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Let's do that. Um.
2: Um, so you, you, you asked the question, um, is Alejandro Kirk like a classic by low um, guy? And it's an interesting question because where where did I put that? I did so much prep for you, James, my God. Um, after going in, into last season, um, he was on a historic path in terms of um, best hitting sorry i don't have it doesn't matter um in terms of best hitting catchers in their first 600 plate appearances who are under 23 it went something like joe mauer now a hall of famer joe tory um not a hall of fame catcher but a really good uh hitting catcher when he was playing alejandro kirk and then it was like johnny bench and some other hall of famer and you can laugh at that and say ha 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 small sample size like who cares that's the hitter that Alejandro Kirk was going uh, into last season. And it's easy to look right now and say, boy, the Jays really screwed up trading Marino. Uh, Like that was, that's, that's a mulligan. They wish they had. And as of today, obviously it is. Um, It wasn't crazy a year ago to say like, you have Alejandro Kirk, you have Jansen, like, this is the chip you need to. This guy hasn't played in the majors yet. You you catch that one in because Alejandro Kirk, if his defense evolves, is a potential like not maybe not Hall of Famer because you don't want to take any 23 year old catcher and say this guy's on a path to being a Hall of Fame catcher. It's not fair to anybody. And he obviously wasn't Joe Maurer uh, in terms of pedigree, um, but he was really, really good. And then last year, his defense did improve a little bit. Like his, his catching was just getting uh, very passable. Um, but the bat just was a mess. Um, fast forward to this year. Um, my answer from a fantasy perspective is he is a great uh candidate. As long as Justin Turner shows up at spring training and says, <laughs> I, my goal is to play third base 140 times this year. And Jay's management says, our goal is for him to, uh, play 140 games because if Justin Turner, again coming back to my Springer answer, is locked in at DH, then the only upside for Alejandra Kirk to get more than 350 plate appearances for Danny Jansen to get hurt or traded. Now Danny Jansen could easily get hurt. Why? Because that's what he's that's what he does. Um he could also really get traded uh if the Jays are not in it, and I don't mean like hanging around the wild card uh uh situation I mean like um if i could see the jays being uh like an 85 and 77 team like a good team and maybe they win the third wild card or fall a game short and they still take trade jansen uh sometime this summer just to cash in the chip um but that's the only way that he gets 350 more than 350 400 plate appearances and it's just really hard, even though he's pretty cheap right now. And I think Alejandro Kirk will be much, 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 much better um, to really break out and be like a top 15, top 12 catcher, just because the playing time isn't there, unless he can DH um, part-time as well. That being said, if you're in a two-catcher league, there is something really nice about drafting a catcher, a second catcher, where he's going, who will not hurt your batting average, even if you acknowledge the, the upside, maybe capped if that makes sense so but i yeah. think you're drafting him as a catcher two who just won't hurt you who has some upside and if if turner is going to play the field then everything changes
1: you know i just i think uh, i think danny jansen got hurt while you were answering that question
2: it's um, it's, it's, it's possible so- but it, but, it, but it's only it's only uh 10 to 15 days he expects to be back uh real soon Oh well that's good. Uh, okay. Um, uh Danny Jansen though is an awesome hitter too. So I know I hope I know. that Danny
1: Jansen stays healthy too. Last year was my last year doing Danny Jansen, <laughs> I think. Um and I think I, I think I I think I added and dropped him multiple times in the same league last year, um, which one does. Uh all right, let's uh let's head to do a quick uh message from our sponsors here. When we come back, I'm gonna ask Rob. Ooh, this year's Jeffrey Springs is going to be in Vegas, i.e. the player who surprises everyone by how high up boards uh, they're going. Uh, but first, um, you know, this is a great time to sign up for rotowire.com. I uh, just posted my uh, second edition of rookie hitter rankings, including my player shares um, from six draft and holds and recent ADP. Uh, we also got atc projections up on the site which is awesome Um, so definitely a good time to sign up for rotowire come hang out with me in the discord room uh, rotowire.com chat if you're already a subscriber and uh, this episode is also brought to you by fantrax Uh, really excited to have fantrax back as a sponsor uh if i'm not playing on the nfpc i'm playing on fantrax uh that's where Literally all my dynasty leagues are, except for a couple that I have no idea why they haven't migrated over. But um, the reason all your dynasty leagues should be on Fantrax is because all the players are in the Fantrax player pool, which is a crazy concept. But Fantrax is the only site that actually has all the rookies, all the prospects, all the unsigned players, guys in Asia, guys that are waiting to sign as 16-year-olds. Fantrax has them in the player pool. Um, so it's, it's the only place to play dynasty really. Uh, it's great for redraft as well. Uh, sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed Jersey from Vladimir Guerrero jr. Who we just discussed. Simply go to fantracks.com slash Rotoire and sign up today. That's F a N T R a X.com slash Rotoire Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. All right, Rob, we're back. And, uh, I, I teased it. Um, I think it, like, does that sound right to you? Like Jeffrey Springs kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. last year's hype uh, guy? That,
2: and, and, and like Rasmussen. The two of them were both right. just yeah. going cr- crazy last year. They were, every single one of us, I think, like, I shouldn't say every single one of us. There were many, many, many of us who were getting ready for, for like big drafts, late February, early March. And it's like, man, Rasmussen, Springs, 15th round, 14th round. This is awesome. <laughs> and then the first main's, somebody it's like 13 i forget what their exact adp going in was it's like i should jump them around that's the only way i know i'm gonna get them is jump them like 15 picks from where their adp was people saw the first round of adp from the mains it's like if i want them now i better go to the 11th round and then the 10th round and it just got i think some of them were going in like the ninth round uh by the time these were over so i totally get what you mean here
1: yeah and then like um 2022 byron buxton is the name that i remember of like different range of the draft but it was like a you just you got to vegas and all of a sudden he was going two rounds higher than he had been before vegas and it it almost seemed like maybe a few people were doing it and people just kind of followed in line like oh i got to get a buxton share um and i well, I, took, I took it defeats the
2: spirit of the question to answer like wyatt langford or jackson holiday if there's news that they've made the opening day roster because right. by definition that will shoot them up but the world has changed at this at that point so it's not right. really the spirit of the question
1: it's just it's the player where it's just like he is who he have, is yeah you're just like whoa like i didn't know i had to take him there um, yeah so who who's that guy this year and i I've so
2: i i i i have two guys one though you ask a question later on so when when okay. we ask the question you know why i'm talking i, about I know exactly what you're talking about the pitcher who i think could easily be that uh, guy if he's healthy and looks good in spring training uh i'm gonna answer uh jaron duran uh from boston uh i, I think him. he will be a 10th round pick uh in at least one main event and could easily go around uh the springer uh type of uh range if he's smoking the ball in spring training and the Red Sox come out and say, he's our leadoff hitter. He's he's going to lead off against lefties against righties. He is on top of this lineup. I think there will be a ton of player, uh, people who show up and say, well, then there's no way that he's not like a legit 20, like he's this, wow. I don't need speed in the first and second round. I can go judge and Vlad. And I got Duran coming up in the... 12th round then 11th round then 10th round and it's not like i'm picking up ruiz like i'm getting i'm getting home runs this he's a first he's a second third round player that i'm getting in the 10th round so i think duran is going to have a ton of helium coming into vegas
1: yeah that's a really good answer he went in the 11th round of this oh see, see now it's
2: not that bold i thought i was being bold uh but it's well, already happening uh
1: and i was gonna just say like i don't think he needs a i think he just needs to not suck in spring training there
2: you go and okay, he's gonna I, be going to go in the next. round. If, if 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 people are rolling their eyes listening to this saying, "Rob, that is the lame. I can't believe you said that. He's already I thought I was being bold No, No. That. No, so I, I mean apologize. I understood
1: what you like yeah.
2: because so you, he's going in the
1: ninth round. Forget the 10th round. The ninth round.
2: I have to make it uh, yeah. bolder
1: now. And it's easy to see how that would happen with Duran um like Who's your guy? Uh Bailey Ober
2: Oh yeah, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, that's a real that's a really good
1: answer. And you know, I was gonna say like because it's sort of which range are you are you talking about? Like I think these kind of like Kyle Bradish, Joe Ryan, Zach Efflin guys are gonna get bumped up two rounds by yep. the time we get to Vegas, but that's everyone expects that, I, I assume. Um but like I think Bailey Ober starts going in, you know, seventh round. Um, uh, um something like that.
2: So I think that Bailey Ober is a case of and there's always one or two guys like this um, every year is steamer comes out first and people look at the steamer projections and even people who aren't like projection, quote unquote, projection guys look at the, the, the steamer projection. And even if we say, like, don't look on ERA, look at the underlying skills. It's like a four, two, six ERA. And you look at that and you're like, man, like do I, that's not, that's not very good. Remember when we were talking about Ober on, on launch angle, all of us were like four, two, six, that seems like crappy. Like what? And everything that's come out, um, uh, since then, it's not a lot better, but it's better enough that I think people are going to get excited. Some of the, uh, the stuff plus plus models like Billy Ober, I take it. Um, so yeah, that's a really good answer. I could easily see people thinking um, I'm going to be sneaky and then keep getting less and less sneaky as it goes up. Where do you think yeah. he lands in terms of ADP by the time we get to Vegas?
1: Uh, I think just inside the top 100. Yeah. Um, and it's it's to me it had to be like a starting pitcher or a speed guy because. Yeah when the runs happen you start looking down at whatever you're drafting off of and you're like oh crap like where do i go now um okay so let's see um all right the actually let's do let's do that uh question that you were where you were going to reference a guy um
2: yeah yeah so, so so the picture the picture i was going to so you you sorry you do your your yeah, yeah. my answer so, my, my answer was predicated on that
1: yeah, I had zero interest in Chris Sale um, with Boston. And I, I really don't think I've drafted Chris Sale in like at least five years. Um, but I find myself now like, ooh, Chris Sale, Atlanta. Um, is there really that big of a difference between Chris Sale and Tyler Glass now? And um, I was trying to get Chris Sale as my SP2 in this DC. And I was just really dumb and got greedy and i didn't get him but um he went in the eighth round but like you know chris sale like what do you think uh now that he's with atlanta
2: um so put it this way if you guaranteed me chris sale was going to pitch 150 innings then chris sale is it's like is where tyler glass now is like he's easily a fifth round worth starting pitcher like he's a top 10 top 12 starting pitcher, if you knew that he was going to stay healthy on Atlanta, uh, for an entire season. Um, it's, uh, so Chris sale was, I, I think Chris sale will go even earlier. And, uh, obviously he has been steadily increasing, uh, in terms of where you need to take him. Uh, I did the one DC and I, I went, uh, sale, uh, Rodon in like the, I think it was ninth, 10th, uh, round as my third and fourth starting pitchers. And I, I thought that was okay. Uh, at the time. Um, um, the real question. So the real question is. Because what's the argument against. Uh, Sale versus Glass now. Is well Sale is older. And there's no doubt. Uh, that's that's a real thing. Um, and he's been hurt. Um, the crazy thing about Tyler Glass now. Last year was his. Like biggest volume year ever. And while Chris Sale is old. Tyler Glass isn't young. I think that there's this perception of Tyler Glass now is still a guy who just needs that one year to put it all together. Like how many pitchers really put it all together when they're 31 for the first time? And I'm not saying it can't happen. I haven't done it like a deep dive. I'm sure there are pitchers who have had the exact kind of injury history of Tyler Glass now. Nobody's going to argue against uh, the stuff of, of Glass now. It's obviously uh, on a pitch by pitch basis, like on a per inning basis. Glasnow is not quite Jacob deGrom, but he's not that far behind in terms of how good he is in terms of results and stuff. But it would be like if Tyler Glasnow makes it through a 32 start season and is what people think he could be, there can't possibly be that many people who have done that at his age for the first time. Um, yeah, so if you, if you look
1: at Tyler Glasnow's like innings by year, you would think that he was being converted to from a reliever to a starter this year,
2: yeah. And um the thing is, like the Dodgers have a history of taking guys who have been mediocre and making them really good. They've never shown they have this magic health tree. So I, I get the people who are who have been saying, yeah, but his injuries are fluky and he should be okay and yeah i like I'm, I'm not anti tyler glass now um but if uh if chris sale is healthy in spring training i think the likelihood of him hitting 150 innings are certainly no lower than tyler glass now right now so i don't think the premise of your comment is nuts at all
1: and as you've researched um or not, not that you had to do a bunch of research for this but uh like you want pitchers on good teams uh um, yes because yes. that's Twenty percent of the pitching categories of wins. See,
2: see, James, this is how you win the overall is doing deep, <laughs> deep insights like you, you crunch the numbers. Pitch, pitch, pitchers on good teams are better than pitchers on bad. Yeah, here you go. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay, so I, you know, I think we we've covered that, but I, I am, um, I'm, I'm back in on Chris Sale after being out for a long time. Yeah but, how does how does how does that feel? Uh. Well, ask me after I actually land yeah. in like, high stakes. G- G-
2: Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman, my, my uh, podcast colleague, um, has a no knucklehead, um, rule. You don't, you don't worry about things like knucklehead. Cause Chris Sale certainly qualifies as a knucklehead. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, I, hmm, I do really worry about knuckleheads. Um, yeah. Man, there's also there's a lot of competing narratives here. He's coming home, Rod. Did you know he grew I, up an Atlanta Braves fan? I,
2: I did not know he uh, grew up an Atlanta Braves fan. That's great.
1: So, you know, bump him up your board a little higher. Uh, there you go. <laughs> okay. So I sent you a list of about 20 guys. Um, it like, and this is something I've been kind of thinking about a lot. Like, just is it is it better to hit on the right guys or avoid? the guys who are going to just give you nothing or, or tank you um and i think it's it's they're both very important you you want to draft the right guys but if you make too many mistakes and, and get guys who don't give you much production then you're, you're sunk as well um so i sent you a list of about 20 guys that i am that are they're all going inside the top 150
2: yeah it's a good list I said,
1: i'm not touching them in drafts and i gave you just minor um kind of reasons. Some of them might just be BS, but I'm yeah uh, interested in which of them you think I might uh, want to take a second look at.
2: So I have two guys and then I'll ask you a question. Um So the two guys, um, and please don't confuse this as I'm all in on them or I'm 100% confident on them. They're just not guys I'm out on uh, of the guys on your list of guys. You're basically, they're like off your board unless they really, really fall. First one is Justin Verlander. Um, (laughs) Speaking of Chris Sale, um, is there's a lot of late career Roger Clemens to me, and I know the big difference. So Roger Clemens, for those too young to fully remember the Roger Clemens experience, and it was a great experience. Uh, Jokes aside, uh, he was an incredible pitcher. At the end of his time in New York, though, the decline was real and it was going down. Now, from a like strikeout percentage plus perspective, his last few years and the ERA went up. Like the super surface stats were getting much, much worse. Uh, it wasn't as bad as last year's Justin Verlander. From a sur- from from like a, those kinds of stats, um, but Clemens signed with the Houston Astros, and the next year at the same age uh, as Justin Verlander is this year at 41, uh, he won the Cy Young Award and had like an incredible, incredible season. And I, I look, the projections don't love Justin Verlander. They don't hate him, but they see him as like an aging guy whose strikeout rates keeps going like that. The flip side is projections have a really tough time in terms of the aging curve with the outliers. Right? Because there's a survivor bias when you hit 41, it's like, how do you have an aging curve for a guy who a major league team still wants to employ and is, is pitching at this kind of a level at that age, there's no curve because it's so few of them who do it. If I told you, James, that Justin Verlander's strikeout rate goes back up, then on the Houston Astros, where he really has to pitch six innings and, and you're out of there and the bullpen's going to take over, we have a really good lineup uh, behind you, that Justin Verlander wins 16 games with a 3-2 ERA, in 170 innings, he makes 31 starts. He misses one start all uh, all season. So he goes a full season, and in those 31 starts, he pitches 178 uh, innings and has a one whip and finishes as a top 15 starting pitcher. Did you say, no, that's crazy, Rob, what I've just described?
1: No, not at all. All you had to do is just tell me that the strikeout rate rebounds yes. and he stays healthy. Like, strikeout rate rebounds, he stays healthy, it's a good pick.
2: Yes. So I think that there is, so it depends on your risk tolerance on Justin Verlander. People talk about, I want some upside picks in my draft, because if I have a $260 budget and I return $260, I'm going to finish seventh. Whether it's a straight draft or an auction, the same thing applies. If I just, if I break even on every single pick I'm going to have a, an average team i need to to not lose a lot of money on certain picks and i need to make some money on other picks and then fab obviously uh adds to all of that um, when people say upside picks they usually mean i want to take a 23 year old who's on the, the rise and he's going to break out and there's truth to that and you know there's lots of studies about why young Players can, can do amazing things. Uh, there's some decent prospect writers out there that you should read and find out about these young guys uh, on on the, the rise. Um, but to me, a Justin Verlander is an upside pick with a ton of risk. So there's a ton of downside and there's a ton of upside at his cost with Justin Verlander. So it's where do you want to put risk into your draft? But that's Justin Verlander to me. So that's one. And then number two is Joe Mus- Musgrove. If I knew Justin, Joe Musgrove is healthy in spring training, and I really like him as a pitcher. Um, and the shoulder injury to me is, well, shoulder injuries are scary, scary things. I just need to see his velocity in, in that first first game in spring training. If if just if, if Musgrove is healthy, he's a really good starting pitcher. And unfortunately his ADP will go up because um, I'm not the only person who feels that way. So can I ask you one question about your hate list? That'll give away yes. two, two, two more names. Um, which of these two players is more likely to finish as a top 25 player this year? Uh, jazz or O'Neal Cruz? You have, um, to, pick, you have, you have to pick one. Yeah. Even no, though I, you're out, even though you're out on both.
1: Uh, I'm going to say jazz. Okay. Uh, Why? You
2: just, don't think he's a, you don't think he's a platoon player.
1: <laughs> I mean, Jazz is awesome. I just think he's like Byron Buxton 2.0 from a durability standpoint. But yeah, he's you know why why can't he have like one full season mixed in with a bunch of injured ones? You know.
2: Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm also. I don't both. I won't have either of them. But but obviously both of them could make us both look really stupid uh, this year.
1: Of course. Yeah. Um. And you know, I mean, these are. I'm sure. I'm sure at least a handful of the guys I sent you are are going to have fine seasons, yeah um now uh before we get to um the exciting uh third base sleeper (laughs) series uh, i just want to get a quick check in with you on where you're at with alec manoa
2: uh, and I'm just, no- I'm just noticing I jumped the Alejandro Kirk uh, thing. I thought it was up up top. So I screwed that all up. No, I- uh, <laughs> uh, we'll act very natural. Like, like this was how it was all supposed to go. Uh, Alec Manoa. Um, I have no idea what to expect from Alec Manoa uh, this year. I don't think the blue Jays have any idea uh, what to expect uh, from Alec Manoa uh, this year. Um, his Instagram posts make it look like he's in good shape, uh, but he's one of those guys. If it, goes badly, the story next year was I lost too much weight and didn't feel like I had my velocity behind me. And if it goes well, it'll be because he got into great shape. And the problem is if he looks really good in spring training, he looked really good in spring training last year. He struck out 21 guys in 20 innings last year. There was no reason to be concerned coming out of spring training about Alec Manoa. Was he a big boy coming out of spring training? Yeah, he was a big boy the year before that so like here's the thing with alec manoa he's going cheap enough that you could draft him as your eighth or ninth starting pitcher and have him on your bench but if you are i don't i haven't looked at the jay's schedule to open the season so i'm I'm just just going on a let's say assume they have a generic first week of the season let's assume he gets the fifth starter job which is not a guarantee so he very well may not get the if he's not he is not looking good in spring training they will go to somebody else uh for the fifth spot they will figure something out uh, but let's assume he's the fifth starter spot are you starting him that first week or you you'd rather go i i would rather have a middle reliever uh going in week one in an nfbc main event team than alec manoa um because i just don't know what he's going to do assuming that they're playing um you know the seattle mariners the first uh the first uh week and that tells me something about my level of confidence about Alec Manoa. I felt uh, way better about Yusei Kikuchi last year at this time, when Yusei Kikuchi was walking everybody and was unrosterable than I do about Alec Manoa. But, like, would it shock me if Alec Manoa is good again? It wouldn't shock me. I just don't understand what's going on with Dude. Like, Dude, there, are, there, there's a lot going on there. Um it yeah it wouldn't surprise like honestly James it wouldn't shock me if the jays send him to minor league camp 10 minutes into pitchers and catchers uh reporting <laughs> it also wouldn't surprise me if he gets al cy young award votes this year neither of those would surprise me so i've no I'm, I'm not being flippant i'm not being evasive i have no idea and i really don't think the blue jays do either
1: well you know part of the reason uh that i'm i'm the host is uh I can report back to the listeners and say I saw a really cool video of him the other day. He jumped over some high ropes that were hanging, and then he jumped to the side over a rope, and they jumped up on a big box. Yeah, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. He he was pumped about it. Um, and I can tell you that if he lines up as their fifth starter, his first start will be at Houston. Well, um, cool.
2: so you're but, definitely not starting Alec Mano, <laughs> but that's that's reasonable. But my 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 point in using that is. I always use that as a gut check. If I would not consider putting them into a lineup forget like Houston, there's lots of people you wouldn't want to start. Um, if I wouldn't want to start them against a, like the average lineup, that tells me my level of confidence in a player.
1: And I can also say that I think I've got him on like two NFBC teams. And I think in both cases, I took him as a bench pitcher. So I didn't even take him as one of my first in, nine guys. In,
2: in, in a DC, if you have a pretty good starting rotation, and you just want, like, I need a, obviously it's a DC. I need lots of arms and I want a couple of upside darts because I have a pretty stable uh, set of starting pitchers. I totally get, cause there is a 25% chance that he's very good again. Cause he was very good 12 months ago.
1: Okay, Rob, now's the exciting part of the show. Um, it's third base week. Uh, been going position by position with a bunch of smart people and Rob and I are going to say which third baseman with an ADP after pick 300 in NFBC 15 team draft and hold leagues we think is the best value, and uh, that means you're up first, Rob. Uh, so I I like
2: Colt Keith the most, but it feels like a cheat. Can I do <laughs> Colt Keith or like that's, you, you, that's no, you
1: can you can totally uh, Colt Keith,
2: but I'll do somebody else too really quickly. So so how high are you on Colt? Keith. now that he signed the contract and almost certain unless he really sucks in spring training i assume he's on their zero opening day second baseman
1: yeah i mean he's okay um not a big fan i like like i like him a lot in dynasty um just the no speed the park like i'm not head over heels for him in redraft but i think he's fine right now
2: interesting Um, uh, okay well i'll have to dig into that more um so before i give the answer can i say one of the craziest we we still have minutes left we're not we're not, we're not going we're yeah, not at the, we're not at the four hour mark no. so one of the this is not my answer one of the craziest things about projections this year um is anthony rendon's uh projection <laughs> i don't mean i don't mean fantasy projection i mean real baseball projection so it's i'm not going to pick on, on a bad x but I, but i because they're all sort of the same so Anthony Rendon on the Bad Axe uh, projects as for a 339 WOBA. For those of you who don't pay a lot of attention to WOBA, because most of us don't play in WOBA leagues with WOBA as a category, um, that is the 62nd best hitter in baseball, Derek Carty would say. Let me read you, because 62 doesn't sound like an, a particularly impressive number. Let me read you the hitters who are both just before and just an, after. Anthony Rendon, who honestly, like if they if, if you didn't have a contract the contract right now i don't think would be a non-roster invite on most teams so lewis robert uh logan Ahapi, matt mclean uh yoshida uh tristan Casas. those are the guys just before anthony rendon the guys just after anthony rendon christian walker francisco lindor spencer torkelson nate lowe ryan mountcastle carlos correa JT rail Muto Eloy Jimenez Josh Naylor Jake Berger like these are really good hitters and the idea that Anthony Rendon is still in that league is nuts to me uh I know like you can't pick and choose things to rail at he hasn't had a Woba uh anywhere close to that um since I think Barack Obama was president, like it's uh, it's incredible uh, that he's did that. My actual answer: I really like Willie Castro as long as the Twins don't bring in another uh, n- another hitter. It's di- it's disconcerting drafting sometimes, like utility guys, because you don't know where they're going to play and how they're going to get into the lineup exactly. Um, but it's a long season, and I think Willie Castro is good enough, and there's enough platoon situations in minnesota and it's a good enough lineup like i think it's gonna be a sneaky good lineup in terms of actual results that i i quite like willy kraft Castro as my answer if i can't take colt keith
1: well i really i like that answer and i will say third base of all the positions we've done to me i think it's the deepest position past pick 300 yep. um, like i just i like a bunch of these guys uh, at their cost um I, i'm gonna say uh Yon Mancada. Um,
2: Interesting. So you so buy you you buy you buy you buy both the hard work and that God has a plan for him and that he's going to be back uh, this year.
1: Uh, he just strikes me as a contract year guy. Um, yeah. Like, like I was. Um, I don't know. It's just like uh like Garcia, Jorge Soler. There's certain guys that like they're they're bad at certain stages of their contract and they're good at certain stages of their contract. I think, uh, Yon Mankata, uh, is maybe one of those guys, but like he, you know, he was also like the strikeouts and walks weren't great in the second half last year, but like, he was a, a competent big league, yeah. league hitter. And I just think he's going to play. I think they're going to play him every day. Um, 20 homers, like a 250 average, like, and that lineup is terrible. So where's he going to hit? Like, I don't know, third fourth something like yeah, that you know
2: if, if he stays healthy he, he he will play um no there are a lot but, but like brett batty it's not crazy that he I, I can create a scenario in my head that that he puts it together what's uh what's your tyler black uh
1: take Ooh, i don't no, uh i don't like so being asked that question because i don't like i think i've said this before he's the toughest prospect for me to rank um like in of all prospects yep um I, just, like, I think he is skills-wise, I think he's Tommy Edmond with a slightly lower average, a higher OBP, and much worse defense. So, okay. like, the reason Tommy Edmond gets to play every day is because of his defense. Now he does, he's not going to have the same type of OBP as Tyler Black, so maybe Black's OBP is so good. Uh, but the Brewers are also just, they're doing their thing with um, just being as cheap as they can possibly be without uh, having an empty ballpark. So, um, like, they don't really have a great reason to not see what he has. But, like, how bad is the defense? There's just so many factors. Like, he he's he's not going to steal anywhere close to as many bases as he stole in the minors last year. But I do think, like, if he was playing every day, he'd probably steal 25 bases, which just alone at, at third base, that's awesome. Um, but, like, he might only hit 10 homers even in that park. So just a very, very tough player to, to kind of peg for me.
2: There's no doubt, and the other the other guy that's interesting to me there, especially in Fab leagues where you can dump him and uh, move on, is DJ LeMahieu. If he is hitting leadoff for the Yankees, which seems nuts, but uh, it wouldn't be the craziest thing. Um, he's definitely at the very least a streamable player, and you 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 will find times when you can use DJ LeMahieu, uh when he's healthy, uh, and he won't he won't kill you.
1: He's another guy that I like. Yeah. Um, So like if you're drafting early um, or I mean like in the early rounds and you're deciding between one position and third base, I'd recommend going with the other position. Um, Rob, this has been great. Uh, Anything else you want to say before we we say? No,
2: uh, the only thing I want to say is uh, make sure we get together uh, Wednesday night in Vegas before you have to go to your friend's wedding in uh, in New Orleans.
1: Okay, Uh, that's a deal. Um, Well, We'll uh, make it happen. Make it happen, yes. And that's uh, i I'm doing a main event. I'm doing my CLQ main event, um, that very first one on Wednesday. Um, oh,
2: there you go. It, it wouldn't. It, you and I have never had too many drinks before. Uh, one of us drank, but maybe we'll have to do it for the first time. Uh, okay. <laughs> drink before it's the it's only draft. the main event.
1: Who? who yeah,
2: cares? it's not a lot of money. Uh, or maybe <laughs> right after the draft, we'll figure that out. <laughs>
1: Sounds good, buddy. All right. Uh, This has been the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone